Hello and welcome to the Three Musketeers podcast. Introducing the brothers behind it, Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Join them on their journey as they discuss unconventional topics from different perspectives. Real experience with key speakers around the world. Welcome back to another episode. It's your host again, Hamid and Hissam. Today I have good friend of mine and also someone I tend to ask for help when it comes to mental health in general but we'll go into specific. So we have Tracy today who's the founder of The Language Alchemist and Director. She's an expert in how perceived, is that the right word? Yeah, how people Preserved, perceive their And Tracy, I've got a cool tagline and you can have it for free. Maybe I've taken it from you. I've gone with reframing our mind while rephrasing our words. Oh, I like it. So without <laughs> without further ado, Tracy, just just give us a bit of background about um, you know, who you are, what you do, and what is, you know, um alchemist and what does it stands for? Yeah, so I decided um because people were referring to my work as life coaches, um, executive coaching and and we always thought it was a bit more than that. And when we I was with a uh, group of close friends one day. We were like, well, how can I describe to people what I actually do? Because there's, there's, I draw in on very different elements and different techniques. So we came up with the language alchemy name and which was, it just sort of sat really well. And when you think about the, the metaphor of alchemy, it re- yeah. um, represents your base unconscious and ineffective communication pattern. So basically it's, it's metals, turning base metals to gold. So I've used now that as taking your unconscious and ineffective communication patterns, which is your base metal, then I enable people to reframe these habitual patterns to become more productive, which was the gold. So this takes your communication to a level of self-worth and it enables people to recognize how these habitual language patterns can impact um, your productivity in life. Wow. Um, yeah, now I know so, what it actually means, the word. Because <laughs> we've been chatting for a long time and we chat quite often. That, you know, when we discuss things, I think people don't, they underestimate what we put into our minds and the way we speak has a huge impact on our mental state, our physiology. You know, we are learning so much more about the power of the mind. And um, I literally go directly into the unconscious and rewrite how you think of yourself on your future. Well, I think that leads... To a question. So I was going to say, is it more the power of the mind or the power of words and language and how we say things? Yes. So they're quite connected, actually. So I look at people's language, their words that they say. Um, and quite often, about it, it's probably about 85% of your internal dialogue has a very low level emotion attached to it. So each time that we say something or we think about something, there's a, it might possibly be a very low level emotion attached to it. Now, if this low level emotion is negative or it has fear attached to it or a piece of anxiety attached, each time then you go and repeat the story or repeat the loop, you keep adding that emotion and that emotion over time then gets stronger towards the actual topic that you're thinking about. So once we can train people up and get them to understand that what they say to themselves and the way you speak internally and externally basically becomes your reality. So if you say to yourself, do you know what, I've got that talk coming up this evening, I'm really stressed about it, I don't think I'm going to do very well. Well, guess what, if you're going to keep telling yourself I'm not going to do well, you're self-sabotaging. 
I see. To so be fair, like I can, I can visualize that. You know, when they say mm-hmm. you talk yourself into it, that's yes, yeah. That's yours is the science behind it, isn't it? With you know, yes. we said eighty-five percent. Yeah, yeah. So we look at. Um, there's a lot of science. I bring a lot of science in, and I think for people, once you can sort of educate them in what happens to the actual body, what actually happens to the mind as they speak. They sort of get it and especially when you're talking about what they're going through because obviously if you've got a client sat in front of you it's all based on them it's about them it's about what they're going through and then when you can start educating them with the way they're using their language what's going on in their lives at that time you can then start like you said reframing the mind um which can be quite powerful it does take some time to do um to just unhook these habitual language patterns but it's the same with anything you know when you go to the gym and keep fit and bring in a new routine you have to be dedicated you have to put the time aside to it and this work is exactly the same so and you know this already so for people who don't know i'm the the way i met tracy i've been fascinated about how my crazy mind works and obviously tracy kind of put the science and logic behind it well for me it's just chaotic her son is looking at me. She, she went, your mind is unexplainable, so... That was the first, that was the first diagnosis. Yeah, you're right. I think, to, to, are you saying there are almost stages? So is it, is it like, you know, you go through, um, for example, grief and you have like five yeah. stages. Is it similar yeah. to this then? You have to have like, I don't know, realization or something. Yeah, and it's it's the understanding as well, you know. It's once you understand that um, if a habitual pattern, I mean, it can be something simple, 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 you know. And I worked with a lady not so long ago, and I think she'd been adding so many negative layers onto various aspects of her role that her internal dialogue was literally just negative, worry, fear. And I, I just honed in on what was important to her. And what was important to her was her family. Her career was important, but her family was, you know, that was the nuts of her life. So once I got into the family element and asked her to give me some examples, and once she gave me um, a couple of simple examples, you know, of going to an event, somebody had said something negative, it put her off kilter, and that's all she could think about in the two hours as she was with the extended family. For her, it ruined it. She got into the car, she drove home with her husband and her daughter in the back of the car, and she just complained the whole way home. So I said, okay, if we were to replay that again, you know, what would you do differently? And we just got her to start looking at you know, if it happened, somebody said something negative during that event, yeah. we managed to park it for her. And then we replayed the whole movie um, as if she'd already done the change. So we took her back to the event, replayed that journey home for her as if she'd left it go. What would you be speaking to your husband about now? rather than the complaining side. So she said, well, I'd probably speak about X, Y, Z. So I got her to really play the whole journey. And then she could see the difference between the two of them. And that was so powerful because that was so important to her. So that's when we can then take into different elements of her life, then back into work, into day-to-day things. Because she could see then from the aerial perspective, actually, I sat in that car on the way home and I sort of ruined the time because I was worried. I was negatively talking about what had happened. Whereas it was a family time. Even the drive home could have been happier, more joyous. You know, it's precious time. So once we'd reframed all that and put a different um, slant on it for her, she could then see the difference of how she was feeling when she played it in a very different context so you know we talk about we should do you know we should do a lot of reflection yes on our actions yeah. mm-hmm. i almost sense 
your program does that or it forces me for example for example myself it forces me to think and what you say yeah i i, I you know the example tracy gave i can easily see it play in my head is what tracy is doing is using the right techniques and obviously you know the science behind it to say reflect because i guess in every situation and every emotions we have choices but for some reason do you think it's society do you think it's social media? Society has a lot to do with it. I mean, to be honest, our behavior is 80% reaction and 20% by choice. Um, that's the average that we have. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So when you think about um, if you're in a highly... Pre- I mean, I think is it Gary V that he talks about uh, work environments, you know, being in the office with your team members. Mm. It's an emotional incubator. That's how he describes it. And I, uh, I can... 1000% agree with him because if you've got six people in an office that work together every day, and I use the tunifork analogy, that if you do have somebody in there that's quite a mood hoover, we call them, you know, or radiated drainers, who is, is the glass half empty rather than half full, you <laughs> yeah. know, and if you've Connective got maybe, ones. yeah, uh, so if you've got two of them out of six, um, you know, that can, so if you think of that tuning fork and if they're in there and that half, that glass is half empty, it is going to impact on the other four. And left over long periods of time, um, you know, that's when the emotions get heightened, especially when you've got peaks and troughs throughout the year, you know, pressure cooker points within the business, you know, when you've got projects, deadlines, you know, people tend to get a bit more pressured, a bit more tense anyway, and then you add the emotions into it as well. Um, and then that's when we can see people starting to pop away then. But it's if we can recognise those pressure points, especially in business, if you can recognise those pressure cooker points throughout the year, and then start building them down and start really looking at the language leading up to it, really do some a lot of the transformational coaching as you're going through it. So if you had those six people together in an office, they were trained up in these transformational techniques, the language alchemy techniques, they would spot when the other person's just going off balance. Um, and then they can ask those challenging questions and bring them back in and rebalance them because when you think about your core values, your emotional triad, which is your language, what you focus on, what your physiology is telling you, um, and then you put those emotions in it, you're going to get reactions. So basically, if we can educate people up on how these affect each other, we can then manage them, self-regulate them and start really utilizing them to help us then. So I think you've highlighted on a few stuff in there. You know, for me, I've been working and I've been in a situation where you have, you know, someone who's, as you said, negative or mm-hmm. glass half full. There could be other words, half empty. There could be other words I'm going to use. But let's go with a negative person. I think for me, for, for probably a lot of listeners, if you're in that situation and you've got two people, let's say out of six, yeah. what would be, I'm, I'm a single person in that, in that sort of six and I haven't got access, you know, I haven't been trained up, in, you know, in your program. What would be your advice if you're on the, you know, not the receiving end? What would be your advice if you're going through that? Yeah, so if you're the one that's in there and you're immersed in it every day, it's really tricky to manage that. So what I say to people, the top tips that we give to them is lessen your time as much as you can with them. Very hard if you are in an office environment. Um, remove yourself now and again from the office. Maybe just find somewhere quiet to work for an hour out of the day. Um, focus just the your internal language has to be um, then I think for yourself it's really keeping an eye on your own internal language 
And then what's quite handy is to say, you know, just a little tip of it's their model of their world in their way. And respect does not mean that I have to agree with their behavior. And in that sense, you desensitize yourself from the actual person. Because when you think about if you are that person in that office and you're struggling around a couple of people, you're in your emotions. And that struggling is the word struggling in itself. It could be getting fed up with it. It draws you down. It's pulling your energy down. Whatever words that you feel, then the reframing of yourself comes in as well. So if you're sat there going, this is really pulling me down. Yeah. Ask the question, okay, so what do I need to enable for me to pull myself back up? Because we can't change the person, but, you know, we can't change what's going on around us, but we could change the way we feel about it. Because who's in control about how you feel? Yourself. It's yourself. It's nobody else. So then we have to take that personal responsibility to ourselves and ask those questions. What do I need in this moment for me to manage the next hour? And it might just be having to get up off the chair, popping it into um, the canteen to get a coffee, maybe picking the laptop up and going somewhere quiet to work. Or that's self-regulating of going, do you know what? Is their model of their world in their way? And if they want to live like that, that's entirely up to them. I am so grateful that I do not need to live my life like that. I am so grateful that actually I'm not, I don't use that language and I'm happy about that. So it's really bringing in the gratitudes of how you speak and, and actually coming from the heart space as well can really help. So just send them good vibes, you know, accept that that's the way they are. You can't do anything about it, but it's not going to impact me because I'm in charge of my mind. I'm in control of my mind. My mind does not control me. So if I want to change state, and then there's a couple of little things that we do to get people to change state as well, because you are in control of changing that state. Um, Does that make sense? That that, that makes sense. Um, I was going to say, how contagious is it? Um, Like people using the wrong words and languages. Oh, do you know what? Other people pick it up. I use examples all the time. We just laugh, you know. So if I am in a training room and I've got a group of people, and I'll give myself as an example. So say I'm walking into the office in the morning. The, you know, I'm walking into the office. There's six of us there. I am that mood over that negative Nelly, say. And I've just walked in and I've been stuck in traffic for 20 minutes. And the first thing I'll say to my colleague is, do you know what? It happens to me every single morning. I get up, I come to work early. I'm stuck in that traffic. And it really infuriates me is the fact that those roadworks have been there for the last two years. So use as an example, for the person sat next to me, They don't want to hear it, but they're sat there listening to it. They get up and go to the coffee machine and they're speaking to another colleague. And what they say to their colleague is, do you know what? Every day Tracy comes in, there's something that she complains about. The colleague then turns around and says, oh, I know. Every time I talk to her, she's got something to complain about. You know, there's nothing ever happy. She's oh, she will find something to complain about. So those two are at the coffee machine complaining about me. But what's happened to their energy? Well, I think you've highlighted two things. So they, are, to me, their energy is drained. But also, are they they're involuntarily creating a yeah, yeah, creating yeah. a toxic environment? Yeah, even so that they're passing the it on. Yeah. So literally, that person that I've gone in to spill everything out to, she's yeah. just fed up and doesn't want to hear it anymore. But unfortunately, the way she manages herself then is to go to that coffee machine and then complain about it to somebody else. And that person then joins in on the drama. So they're basically on Drama Island together. So that's where the tuning fork analogy comes into. But if we could rewind that scenario, I come in in the morning and just offload that five-minute vent, which I do every day, 
if the other colleague could just internalize and go, oh, bless her, here she goes again. Let her have her five minutes more now. She'll be fine for the day. It's her model of her world in her way, and that's okay. She then gets up to go to the coffee machine, sees her colleague, says, oh, how's your day been? Yeah, we've got a busy day today, but it's all good. Really looking forward to getting stuck into that project. Can you see how different it is? Do you know what? It's, it's not a knock-on effect. It's so simple. It's so, so powerful. I know, I know, because we forget about the rippling effect it has. I've been there. I've been there. I've done it myself thousands of times, probably, where I've been the one going, oh, my God, she's come in and complained again. And I've been that one that comes in to complain. But if we can, I mean, I think I had 30 people uh, and I was about 26. And it was my first face-to-face last week in about four months. And obviously everybody was socially distancing. And I used that example when everybody just started laughing and shaking their heads going, yep, ah, that's what I do. <laughs> so it's like, right, could you imagine having a workforce where they, they get it and there's no need to do that rippling effect? So would you say it's one of the steps? is to, you know, let people understand the impact of the ripple effect that, yeah. you know, almost, as you said, if you give that demonstration to my workplace or, or Hesam's workplace yeah. or any workplace, yeah. it's that moment of realization or they clicked in their head. Yeah. Oh, wow, I yeah. didn't know I'm actually caused, I'm actually part of the problem. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? I mean, it's it's simple. It is so simple, but we we never talk about it. We very rarely, I should say, I shouldn't say never, but we we rarely talk about these things. But if you think about a very successful company, um, their return on investment there, when you think about stress, uh, work pressures, people going off on the sick, I mean, I'm talking very low-level techniques here, but these low-level techniques, you get them right, and they will have long-term added effects on your company and added effects on your business because your staff are going to be working better, your staff will be happier. And these are just, what, two or three examples I've given you. I mean, I could sit you for the next five hours and give you a whole host of other examples to work on. But um, it's very powerful stuff because when you think about the human element of a business, if people are complaining and they are on Drama Island and they can't self-regulate, their self-awareness is quite weak. I mean, I've heard many companies and I've spoken to many a CEO and when I've drilled down with them to where the issues and the problems are, they are down to individuals who have low emotional intelligence, very low self-awareness, and it's costing their business money. And I think if you sat down with a CEO and actually worked out, right, what departments are losing you money um, and really drilled down to the human element, I think um, a lot of people would have, they'd have their eyes opened. That's my opinion. You know, that's... Um... No, I think I think you're making a valid statement. I mean, from my perspective, do you think organisations focus more on the numbers rather than the people? I think so. I mean, we are now, um, we have started in, started now coming back around a little bit more with corporate. They're starting to go back into that human element a little bit more as well. You know, some of the larger companies, some of the larger global companies, they do a lot of work on transformational coaching. Um, There are a couple of companies out there, well-known ones that literally have people similar to myself on the shop floor. Uh, working with people you know I know a lot of global companies they will catapult somebody like myself in and if they've got a project that they're working on say for three months that a, a person similar to myself will be in that environment for three months and that's all they will work on is maintaining peak performance with the staff and that is 
literally the human element of the emotional intelligence, the self-awareness, the self-regulating. So if you've got a team of 12 people, you've got somebody like me in there for three months, I would manage that team of 12 people and ensure then that they maintain peak performance through self-regulation and self-awareness. Um, and it, it it is quite powerful because when you bring the core people's core values in it and understand how to get the best out of them, you know, you bring in somebody like myself or, you know, that's in a similar field, those members of staff are going to go through that project a lot better and have a better return on investment as a result. So that's the corporate world. Yeah. But to me, you know, your method of making people uh, like myself making people reflect <laughs> yeah yeah sit you down and make you do the work <laughs> just sit in there molding me um, you know making people to reflect in their behaviors and their thought process yeah. so if if we take out the the corporate world not out the equation what about you know personal especially mm. with you know COVID-19 you know recession and concerns about you know redundancies what if there was if i'm a listener what would be your thing you call a top tip what would be your advice and have you had a lot more you know just general um inquiries inquiries yeah 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 yeah. there's been i mean from the moment we went out on lockdown um the week before actually i'd i'd come into lockdown myself because we'd had a lot of cancellations but during that week the we just it was like a hotline here um the phones didn't stop ringing now businesses didn't know what they wanted with my time but they booked the time out anyway and then we worked through it but what we found as a result then that businesses were wanting the personal touch does that make sense because they were home anyway um a lot of what i was doing was personal even though the company was paying for it so because they were managing their work home home work life balance the children were at home as well so the ceos were paying me to literally get their routines in checks to bring them back up and bring the panic zone down because of what it looked like to work from home in the last couple of months now the one-to-ones have just skyrocketed i think we've got a six-week waiting list at the moment um and that's that's yeah um and there there is not a gap in the diary for about six weeks so the one-to-ones are coming through thick and fast now post-covid because now we're seeing the impact covid has had does that make sense so i think now people are going back to work they're recognizing the anxieties of going back to work they're recognizing the issues and problems they've had and a lot of realizations of people are now wanting to turn their change their lives they're not wanting to do the nine to five anymore they've realized now that they've lived without spending money they've lived without going out on nights out they've got more money in the bank and they've changed their lifestyle so i'm having calls now to ask them how to manage the change in their lifestyle and what's that going to look like for them so i suppose going back to your question with the top tips is one um, with redundancies that's a tricky one because if you've got a young family or a family at home that is a worrying time but the only thing i would say is that whether that redundancy is coming ahead or not and if it is coming ahead is worrying about it going to change the outcome worrying about it can possibly hinder you putting a plan into place as to what you're going to do post redundancy And the only thing I would advise is it is natural to worry, accept the worry, um, respect the worry, but try not to stay in the worry and become strategic with your thoughts. So the first part of it would say is, right, it's natural to worry because I have a young family or I have a family at home. I'm not sure what's going to happen. What we want to do there is respect it and just say that's okay. 
if I didn't worry, there might be something wrong with me anyway, if I weren't to worry. But then start recognising, okay, but if I'm going to continue to worry about it, is that worrying going to serve me? Is it going to make matters worse? How do I need to feel? Because remembering that your behaviour is 80% um, by choice, uh, reactional and 20% by choice, I now choose to start taking control of that worry and start becoming more strategic with it. Even though I might not know the outcome at the moment, but what can I do in the moment that's going to help my family as best as I can and just bring it down into that moment. And that might just be having that family time, having that um, going out and spending some time with them. You know, whatever you need to be doing at that moment, because we're not going to be able to change that outcome. But that worry will ripple out to the family and the family will start worrying as well. So it's it's really managing the emotions. I think for me, and you know this, I find um, emotional intelligence fascinating. I've always yeah. been intrigued how my mind works. Um, is it almost... Yeah, we've had many a brilliant discussion, haven't we? <laughs> we just spent hours talking. How crazy my mind is. <laughs> She's writing a thesis on your mind. She is, yeah. I'm a, case, yeah. I'm a case study. It's a case study for me. No. <laughs> is, it, is it almost... To me, hearing you know that example, is it almost you put emotions to one side? Correct me if I'm wrong. Think logically, but respect yeah. the emotions. Is that is that another yeah, way? Yeah, of... I suppose it's um, desensitizing yourself. I suppose in some way, because when you think about, if you're in the worry, you're in the anxiousness, you're in the fear. What happens then? It it heightens the responses in the body. So your heart rate goes up, your breathing changes. Um, if you are doing low, shallow breathing or faster paced breathing, it's putting the stress hormones into the body. And as we all know, when the stress hormones go into the body, that amygdala goes into fight or flight. Now, when that amygdala is in fight or flight, part of that front prefrontal cortex of the brain will shut down. Just part of it will. Um, and that sounds a bit more extreme, but that's all that happens there is that where you get the brain fog and possibly can't make the right decisions, you forget things. At that point, then, we need to go into the rational mind. And to get into the rational mind, it is desensitizing from the emotions. But like I say, accept the emotions, respect them, but then become more logic with your planning and what you need to be doing with your thoughts. Because it's the thoughts that tend to go run away with us. I'm not going to lie. you you That was science. I'm looking ahead on, you know, what Tracy mentioned there. That was full <laughs> science. That's like when I want to try to talk technical um, about IT stuff and people say, I, I don't know what you're... But, but no, I, t to me, I think it's, it's fascinating because... We and I've seen this, and I'm a. I think I'm a corporate, or, or you know, I go the exact same same way. As sometimes, and I can see myself. I lead with emotions, and I think that sometimes where the mistake is because, as you said, and, and you know, you mentioned um, the hormones. Yeah, is that almost like if someone's next to me, can they almost like feel that? Do you sense? You, you definitely feel it. It's the energy that you put off. So let's take that mood hoover for an example. Yeah, that Mootoober's walking down the corridor. So we can all think of that one person. I mean, the go grumpy on, one. The oh. grumpy one. Years yeah. ago when I was teaching, I remember hiding in a cupboard one day because I could see this Mootoober coming down the, the pathway. <laughs> and I can quite imagine a lot of people hiding in cupboards when they saw me turning up as well at that point. But you think about that Mootoober walking down the corridor. They're coming into your office. What's the first thing your body does? Defensive. So yeah, when you think about it, you think, oh, here they come. Oh, what do they want to know? Oh, God, I haven't got time for them. You know, these types of words. So what happens then to the body is that the, the shoulders tend to slump 
or you tend to get oh really um and you can sort of hear yourself huffing or the energy will change your thoughts will change your energy will change instantly and in that moment that person walks into the room you feel the energy changing have you ever have you ever come across that well, that's the thing. Hassan's looking at me, and I'm avoiding. Uh, I'm not giving him a, every time he comes. To the room, I'm not giving him a chance to, to so say. Hesam, you, you felt that. I then. felt it. I'm feeling it now as well as we speak. Yeah. So, in answer to your question, that is a yes, then, isn't it? Because when that person or your boss walks in and you've not hit that deadline, you just think, "Oh no, just go away, give me half an hour." Um, or somebody's in a bad mood, you feel that. You know, people say, "Oh, I sensed that something." wasn't right you know when people say i knew they were not in a in a good space and i could sense that something didn't feel right you're sensing it you're feeling it and that person can have that rippling effect so go back to the um example that i used earlier on about myself going to the office and doing that first initial five minute complaining the colleague sat there just before going into the coffee area her internal side is like oh god here she goes again she doesn't stop complaining um and the energy for them changes so when you think about the knock-on effect about going back to the coffee machine and then she's complaining to the next person going god that's all tracy does is ever complain um that person that they're talking to feels that energy as well yeah it's almost like you know if you take it out of a corporate you know world an example i almost feel like uh, and i get it with my parents and you know has some sometimes um where if I'm in not not feeling is a wrong word, you know. If I'm str- struggling with something emotionally, then there is an instinct where you know, mum and dad, someone goes, you know, what's up? And even though if I want to yeah. hide it, they feel something isn't right. They know, yeah. And that's exactly what you're referring to, isn't it? Is that yeah? Is the energy you you give off? You give off. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And it is energy. We work with energy every day, but unfortunately, when we start talking about it. Um, people tend to think, oh, God, here they go again, all that fluffy stuff. <laughs> but it's not fluffy stuff. This is what makes the world go round. You know, when you think about the energy in a room when something's heightened or mm. going back to corporate, if you're around a table and there's six people that work on a project, somebody gets quite um, aggressive or they get really narky with it. The other people feel it. They feel that energy. But you go in there in high octane energy, really ready to nail the day ahead and you've set yourself up. And if you can get six of those people coming in, really set themselves up for the tone of that meeting, it'll go very differently, much, much differently. So how important is body language as well to the way we speak? So you said if the person walks in. Yeah, and we know, I mean, the body, I mean, even if you were to change the so i'll give you an example i was going to a meeting a couple of years ago and i was driving in the car it was a 40 minute car journey and i knew what i wanted out the meeting i'd done my homework on this person i knew exactly what the outcome i wanted but i'd never met them before and they had a very large company and i um and i was started feeling a bit nervous about how i was going to present myself within this meeting but what i did i focused on how i needed to show up So how did I need to show up? I needed to show up confident, knowledgeable, and clear. So in those three bits then, knowledge, confident, and clear. Um, And for me, confident is, it can go both, you know, I didn't want to be arrogant, and I didn't be overly confident. So what did confident look like for me? And then as soon as I started drawing in at a time that I was confident and the meeting went really well, instantly in the car, I could feel my shoulders going back, and I was sat upright. 
And because I was sat upright thinking about that clear, calm, um, confident and knowledgeable, I was sat like it. And because I was sat like it, I could feel myself getting into that. I suppose it's like acting, I suppose. And I suppose actors would resonate with it because you're in that person, you're in that feeling. Um, and I walked into that meeting, knowledgeable, confident, and clear with my with the clear with my um, language and the way I wanted to be. And that meeting went much much better because I'd set myself up emotionally and physically before going in. And the way you stand um, makes a big impact. So if you sat at a chair slumped, your energy feels slumped. But if you're sat confident with your shoulders back and your chest open, that meeting will go very very differently. I love the the three, you know, confidence. Yeah, the power of three, I call it. Yeah, um, and it's just a simple technique. And I just ask, say to people, rather than being nervous, how would you like to be in drawing on a power of three? And um, we do lots of training with educators as well. And um, I, I remember a head teacher saying to me one day that he did the power of three with his seven-year-old daughter because she was going into a horse um, competition on one Saturday morning. He did the power of three with her. And he said instantly she just enveloped it and she she just overcome her nerves straight away because she had something to focus on. Just so powerful. And if you don't have um, one of those... So, for example, I'm, I know I got the knowledge. I know what the I need to be clear, but I haven't got yeah. the confidence. How yeah. would you? Ah, okay. It. So that's oh. an easy one. Yeah. So the tip there that if you haven't got the confidence or you're not sure what that looks like, an easy tip there was to say, right, who do I know that I admire that is confident, and how would they show up? Who oh, wow. do I admire? And who is confident in the sense of how I want to be confident. So ask yourself, first of all, what does confident look like me, to me? For me personally, confidence is um, I'm not arrogant. Um, I'm calm with the way I speak and I gracefully challenge people. So it's very much more, I'm still in my my aura, my space, but my voice, my tonality is the same. So then I think about somebody then, okay, so who do I know and I admire who's similar, who's got those similar traits? instantly you bring that energy in you start thinking about them how would they behave how would they react to it um and then just model it mimic it uh, do you know what i'm not gonna lie that is very easy um because as you said if, if you know confidence you can easily yeah. associate someone because you've you've experienced or you know so if, you know as you said it i could see f- few people that would describe that and you imitate is that the wrong word to use mimic is it mimic would you yeah. use um yeah you you just because the thing is we've got so many amazing people that surround us from moment to moment um and we can learn from them you know i had um, a, a client a couple of weeks ago and she said oh i can think of somebody now but the person i'm thinking of is not very well liked in work that doesn't matter what do you admire about them because she was wanting to gain confidence herself. And I said, what do you admire about them? She said, well, she's a powerhouse in meetings. She just says as it is. She gets it done. I said, right, so what is it about those traits that you admire? She said, she's clear. Okay, let's break it down a bit more. She's confident with it, but confident she knows what she wants to say. How does she say it? There's no mince in her words. She doesn't stutter. She says what she needs to say, and that's it. She's clear with it. Okay, so how do you want to show up like that? Because you you describe in the traits, yeah, yeah, that's right. But when it comes to you, you struggle because you know you. Some people, you know, including myself, you don't want to be. You know, it's easy to say your flaws, but people credit. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. what you're highlighting is it's people's you, strengths. 
Yes, but you you do it through a different method because, as you said, yeah. you you know I like Tracy and the way she presents herself, etc. But you're actually describing the traits that you need for the, the event traits, meeting yes. presentation. Wow. Yeah, and what helps them? They can visualize it then, so they can see the person in action. Exactly, and that's the thing. You 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 stand up or you you know whatever it is, visualizing that mm. he or she then the exact same you know message and aura. Yeah, yeah. You know, if that person's very clear to the point, she then knows, right, I don't want to waffle. Okay, so what does not waffling look like? I need to be precise with my bullet points. Okay, when you finish your bullet point, are you going to waffle? No. <laughs> and that's where we we go a bit deeper again then. I should point out, Hesom is pointing at me, as you mentioned, waffle. Just, uh, <laughs> the definition do you, do you of waffle. waffle? <laughs> just as a side dig. <laughs> Audience can't see it, but Hesom just pointed at me and said, oh, I, I, the only comes to waffling. Um, <laughs> I think I and you said we could talk about this for hours. Um, yeah. I think one thing I want to do is make myself an example uh, or a case study, as we said it earlier, through something I struggled. And you know, me and you, Tracy, talked, and you made me realize or look at it from a different perspectives. And I wanted to be a real life. I mean, you've given real life examples anyway, but I wanted to use myself because sometimes when people see you they perceive you differently and they say you know what well, he's you know he's, he's fine he's not struggling etc so we go back what only a few weeks ago for people who know and don't know you know the book was published in june um i'm not doing a plug but if anyone wants it is the boy with two hearts and it's worth a good read <laughs> um me and you tracy will be talking and if i'm being completely honest um, I said, yeah, it's been good. You know, it's, it's sold over three and a half thousand copies, but I haven't had um, anything regarding, you know, the movie and the Netflix deal because that's something I really wanted when I set my goal. And talk me through how you unpicked it because within 20 minutes, you made me realize, actually, I shouldn't be downbeat about it. I should actually be super chuffed about it. Yeah, Um yeah, because we, we, we were just naturally in a discussion. But I think what we just enabled you, I mean, I just asked a couple of questions just for, for to be able to look at it differently. And as soon as that but comes into a question, I know that somebody's going to come in because you said like, but we wanted the Netflix deal. And, you know, I was working with somebody the other day and they said we need to ban the but. And I thought, yeah, that's quite a good phrase really, isn't it? But, um, but when you think about that, because I think at that point, you were just disappointed because you were just need, wanted that Netflix deal. You just wanted that to get further. And I think what we did we were, as we were chatting was, oh, my, um, the realization of you've sold three and a half thousand books. Oh, my word, that is just amazing. Um, so it was just reframing it in that sense. And then we also went on to start talking about, but actually you've sold three and a half thousand books, but also those books have been handed to other people. And they've been read also. So you could have the odd person handing it around their families, which you wouldn't necessarily know how many people. So you've sold three and a half thousand books, but maybe 5,000 people have read the book. And also to actually achieve that during lockdown was big as well. But I think it was the types of questions, wasn't it? We were reframing them um, just in a different context. Yeah, and I think it, it just made me take a moment and look at it differently. You know, because let's be fair, he was going to be out, uh, yeah. you know, next year. That was, yeah. you know, what I was told yeah. before they, they changed tactics. And yeah, I think, as you said it, I almost felt like, and I've thought about this because I knew we were going to talk about it. Yeah. I almost felt like you made me slow down and look back, but look back with a different lens. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone and everyone can do that, but then they won't know the tools. 
Um, luckily, they don't have Tracy's number like I do. So I can just call her <laughs> randomly and ask for advice. Um, but I think it's simple yet so complex and also a profound to know with society, with social media, with COVID-19 and, you know, financial um, concerns. We let it run our life and consume our mind, as you said. But the reality is, if we pause for a minute mm. and look back which is pretty much what you know yeah. you've been saying yeah. as one of the you know techniques you can see different ways you can choose just mm-hmm. like the example you can choose to be negative about it or you could choose and say actually it's not as bad or actually it's something and I think that's very powerful for me yeah. definitely and I just hope for people who are listening they take something away you know from 40 odd minute that we've been talking and to be fair Tracy um I found that fascinating if there was if let's call it an outro um if there's something um Tracy you want people to take away from from our discussion from what you're doing what would that be um I think it boils down to exactly what we've just talked about there now that if you change the way you look at things things you look at change and it was a beautiful quote from dr wayne dyer that we just need to change the lens i don't think you can say it any better than that <laughs> um yeah because you know when you think about your scenario there and when you're in it you know you're immersed in it when you think about your scenario it's your book it's your life it's your passion it's your love isn't it and you're in it and sometimes when we're immersed in it we're we sometimes just need to pop our heads back out and just to take a different glance at see how far you've come and see what's actually been achieved because that can be lost along the way sometimes and just stopping and I think what you said was just slow it down and just slow it down take a snapshot of it take a picture of it take a picture of it be appreciated of it and just say I choose to have a good day well I think we can wrap it up on that note tracy one more time um thank you so much for coming in today thank you for having coming me on. coming on coming in today and um <laughs> yeah honestly i'm sure we'll talk again we'll have yeah. you on uh, down the line um anyone who wants to know uh about what tracy does please go check out um alchemist and we'll put a link in our episode thank you so thank you for having me again Thank you for listening to another episode of The Three Musketeers, hosted by Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Don't forget to share and follow, as more thought-provoking episodes with guests around the world will be appearing soon. See you soon.